Welcome to the weekly Comic Web Old Time Radio Program podcast. We sell old time radio programs, Golden Age comics in PDF format, and we have other free podcasts. Visit comicweb.com for more information or find us on Facebook and iTunes. This week we are featuring three episodes of Jack Armstrong. They're all part of the same storyline and last about 12 minutes long each. They first aired in October of 1940. Jack Armstrong! Jack Armstrong! Jack Armstrong! Jack Armstrong, the all-American boy. Wave the Piper Hudson High, boys, show them how we stand. Ever charting be champions, known throughout the land. Wheaties, Breakfast of Champions, bring you the thrilling adventures of Jack Armstrong, the all-American boy. Right now, I'm going to ask you a question that only you can answer. And every fellow and girl who is interested in sports will have to face this question and answer it honestly and truthfully. How about it? Are you the kind of person all the rest of the crowd looks to for leadership? Are you always, always ready to play the game the best of your ability and show your best winning performance when you're called on? Well, if you're not, I think it's time for you to do some mighty serious thinking. You see, the minute you get the idea that you can play games like a champion without working and training and practicing to make the most of your natural ability, you're pretty sure to be licked at the start. Now, what you want to do is follow the good example of the really great athletes, men like Jimmy Fox in baseball, or lots of the other famous champions of other sports you've heard of. The first thing you do is get in training. I know your own school coach will tell you that training helps make practice easier. And, of course, it's by practice that you develop natural ability and the elements of leadership. You can see for yourself, then, it's training you want, first of all. And I can tell you something right now. Lots of champion athletes and many of the greatest coaches in sport put their okay on the three training rules of Jack Armstrong, the all-American boy, as one of the very best training programs a fellow or girl can follow. Now, here's the system. First, get lots of fresh air, sleep, and exercise. Second, use plenty of soap and water every day to help steer clear of germs caused by dirt. And third, eat a real athlete's training breakfast in the morning. Help yourself to a big, tasty bowl full of Wheaties, those nourishing flakes of real whole wheat. Wheaties with lots of milk or cream and a glass of fruit juice. That's a genuine breakfast of champions you should be eating regularly. Now, there's a breakfast especially designed to give you a big supply of nourishment that belongs in a good training diet. Nourishment that includes all the essential food values of whole wheat and flavor. Well, just you wait until you taste those super delicious Wheaties flakes. I'm telling you... That famous Wheaties flavor is so extra special good, you're probably going to want Wheaties every morning in the year. Now remember, your Jack Armstrong training program calls for the one and only Wheaties. So be sure to get yourself plenty of Wheaties right away. And now, Jack Armstrong, the all-American boy. While Uncle Jim and Betty are preparing for the voyage to the Philippines by checking supplies in the schooner Spindrift in San Francisco Bay, Jack and Billy have gone ashore to go to the post office. A small package with a mysterious token is waiting for them. A token from Professor Loring, whose yacht was lost in the Sulu Sea with a precious quantity of uranium on board. An unscrupulous gang is interested in this rare uranium, for it may contain the secret of capturing the vast energy of the atom. 
And, for some reason yet unknown to Jack and Billy, this gang is interested in this token from Professor Loring, too. Listen. Here's Uncle Jim's car at the curb, this blue coupe. Hop in, Billy. I'll drive. What are you looking for? Just, just nervous, I guess, Jack. I can't help thinking that maybe somehow that gang found out that Uncle Jim had the package sent to the branch post office. Oh, I don't see how they could have unless they have eyes and ears everywhere. Oh, gosh, Jack, I sometimes think they have. But even if they did, what can they do? They can't stop us from getting the package. And right here in the city, they'd have a fine chance of pulling any rough stuff. Jack, just being in a city wouldn't stop that crowd. Not when they're playing for such high stakes. Well, let's cross that bridge when we come to it. There's a lot of traffic on the waterfront. How far is that post office? Three blocks down and one to your right. Only four blocks? If they want to hijack the package from us in that distance, they'll have to act fast. And I'll say, we're not letting the grass grow under our feet after we get that thing in our pocket. I'll put it on my finger. So if they take it, they'll have to take me, too. And that is, if it really is a ring. It's a ring, all right. Our foreign friend gave that away. What a ring it must be. I'll bet Betty is just about right. It must have some sort of secret power to it. It has a secret of some kind, or they wouldn't be going to so much trouble to get it. Here's where you turn, Jack. Well, we're almost there, Billy. Keep an eye out for a parking place. Yeah, just try and find one. Oh, wait. There's one right in front of the post office. Well, I must live right, Billy. Well, in we go. See, I hope I haven't lost the notice. Nope. Here it is. Jack, look at that fellow standing by the mailbox with his hat pulled down over his face. Who? The one with his back turned toward us? That's the one. I caught a glimpse of his face before he turned away. And, Jack, it looked an awful lot like the fellow who was aboard the spindrift yesterday. We'll have to find out about that. He's walking away, Jack. Let's get after him. Wait a minute, Billy. What would you do if you caught him? There's nothing we could do. Anyway, he's gone. And we're not going to let him stop us from getting that package. Here's the post office. Here, Billy. This window over here. May I have this package, please? Uh, just a second. The clerk doesn't seem a bit excited about it. Why, he acts as though it was just an ordinary package. Oh, it is an ordinary package to him, I guess. Here you are. Do I sign here? Yep. Okay. Thanks a million. Come on, Billy. What? It's a package and a letter, Jack. A small package, too. It must be a ring. Open it, Jack, and let's see. Not here, Billy. We don't know who's watching us. Just appear casual and natural and keep your eyes open as we go back to the car. Oh, okay, Jack. But don't hold it in your hands. Mm, you bet I won't. It's an inside pocket for this package until we get safely back to the spindrift. Keep an eye out now. Get in the car and we'll head for the dock. Does that chap come back? No, the street's pretty clear. Well, he probably wouldn't be the one to do the rough stuff anyway. Well, I guess that wasn't our foreign friend after all, or he'd have done something by this time. We're not back yet, Billy. So, yeah, you better step on it, Jack. Too dangerous, Billy. Too much traffic. Hey, there's an officer behind us. I wonder who he's after. Jumping, Jimmy, I bet he's after us. He can't be. I haven't done anything. He is, Jack. He's after us. Here he is. Pull over to the curb, you. Why, officer, what's the matter? You know what's the matter. Speeding. Speeding? Well, you're crazy. Don't get fresh now. That'll only make it worse. Live in town? No. But, officer, I know we weren't speeding. Why, just before we heard your siren, I was looking at my speedometer. Tell it to this sergeant. If you don't live in town, I'll have to take you to the district station. Well, where, where's that? I'll lead you there. Follow me. And no tricks, mind you. If you try to turn away, it'll go all the harder with you. All right. We'll follow you. 
brake check, and we weren't speeding at all. Gosh, it's enough to make a fellow see red. I hope the police sergeant believes us. I have much money with me to pay a fine. The officer's turning into the next street. He's watching to see that we follow him. All times to be picked up. When we've got that package from Professor Loring with us, and when everything depends on our getting back to the schooner before that gang can get a hold of us. Wait a minute, Billy. That gives me an idea. How do we know that this whole thing isn't a trap? Oh, gosh, you're willikins, Jack. I hadn't thought of that. Do you suppose... Look at that motorcycle. Does it have a regular police tag on it? Well, it looks like a regular police tag, all right. And he's in the regular uniform, too. That doesn't prove anything. They could make the tag and probably buy the uniform. Let's turn quickly at the next corner. We'd better make sure first. If he is on the level, he'd catch us, and we'd never convince the sergeant that we weren't guilty. But, Jack, if we wait, it may be too late. We'll wait a little and keep our eyes open. If he tries to lead us up any dark alleys, we'll break away. Look, he's pulling up to the curb. He's signaling for us to stop in front of that building. Look sharp, Billy. Can you see any police signs on the building? Mm, there is a sign there. Here's where we stop, all right. I guess it's okay, Jack. The sign says police station, 4th District. Billy, it's a new sign, a brand new sign. It's just been put up. It's a trap, Billy. The whole thing's a trap. Why, you're right, Jack. Why, that's not a police building. Step on it. Watch out, Billy. He may try to use his gun. He jumped off his motorcycle, Jack. Oh, good. He tripped over it. I'll cut in ahead of this truck before he gets a chance to do anything. Hold on, Billy. I'm going to take this turn. Okay. Gosh, you made that on two wheels. Is he following us, Billy? I don't see him. Hold on for another turn. There. Holy. Smokes, Jack. Now he won't know which direction we've gone. I'll slow down. Jiminy Cricket, that was a narrow escape, Jack. When we get back to the boat, I'll have to pin a medal on you for quick thinking. Well, it wasn't any too quick. I should have smelled a mouse the moment he stopped us. I knew we weren't speeding. We just got started. Jack, whatever is in that package must be dynamite to somebody. Well, we'll soon find out. We're almost back to the dock now. We did travel. Look, there's Uncle Jim waiting for us. wonder why he isn't on board the schooner. Hi, Uncle Jim. Thought we left you on the spindrift. So you did, Jack. But for no reason at all, I got worried. I was just about to follow you to the post office. No reason at all. Say, you'd be surprised, Uncle Jim. What happened? You both look as if you'd passed through a ringer. Well, we didn't miss it much, Uncle Jim. After we got the package, we got picked up for speeding. Why, Jack, I've always told you... But we weren't speeding. And we should have known it was a trick. The officer told us to follow him to the district station. Well, what happened? Well, that Jack got suspicious that he wasn't a real policeman. And when we got to what we thought was a station house, Jack noticed that the sign was a brand new one. Just painted. Well. It was a trap, all right. But I stepped on it, shook off the make-believe policeman, and here we are. Thank heaven for that. Have you got the package? Yeah, here it is. We haven't opened it yet. Move over. I'll get in the car with you. Now we'll see what all the excitement's about. What is it, Uncle Jim? What is it? It's all wrapped up. Here it is. A ring. It is a ring, Uncle Jim. Boy, oh boy, what a ring. It looks as though it's made of ivory. Let's see it. No, Billy, not ivory, I'm sure. And look at the jewel in it. Looks like an emerald. I never saw an emerald so brilliant before. And look, Jack, it's engraved. What queer figures. They are queer, aren't they? Let me look at it more closely. How odd. What's odd, Uncle Jim? This engraving. I wonder what these two crocodiles mean. Don't forget, Uncle Jim, that this ring came from the Philippines. I know, but the Sulu Sea is surrounded by the Mohammedan Moros. Do the engravings mean anything, Uncle Jim? I don't know. They're symbolic of something, of course. But I'll bet a million that's not why that gang is turning things inside out to get us. It's too soon to tell, Jack. There's more to this than meets the eye. There's a letter, too, that came with it. I thought there might be. Let's see it. Maybe it explains all about the ring and the symbols on it. Hmm. And the same skipper who picked up the sailor from the sunken yacht. Not much in the letter itself. 
He says that the sailor asked him to forward this ring and message to me from Professor Loring. A message? Like the one he wrote before? I don't see it. Oh, here it is. Dropped on the seat of the car. Oh, it's just a scrap of paper. Doesn't it say anything? Wait a minute. There's some faint writing on it. Looks like pencil writing that's been soaked. It says, Dear Jim, the ring may reach you, or it may fall into other hands, so I dare not tell you more. In any case, it will protect you. Good luck, and carry on. Well, can you beat that? He doesn't tell a thing about the ring. No, Jack. Evidently, he didn't dare, for some reason. You mean, Uncle Jim? I mean, there must be a vital secret locked up in that ring somewhere. A secret so important that if it fell into the wrong hands, it would do immeasurable harm. Professor Loring couldn't risk that secret going astray. But he knew, Uncle Jim, that somehow you'd be able to discover the secret and carry on. That's our job, Jack. Maybe the secret is in the engraving. Let's see the ring again, Billy. No, I don't think it's in the engraving. It's in the ring itself. And it's our job to find out what it is before we reach the Sulu Sea. Say... What is the secret of that mysterious ring? It must be pretty important to somebody, at least. Will Uncle Jim and Jack find it out before it's too late? And don't forget they're about to brave the stormy Pacific. That gang is napped to let them out of their sight. So listen in, all of you, at the same time tomorrow to the mystery of this remarkable ring and see what happens when the spindrift puts out to sea with... Jack Armstrong, the all-American boy. Now, if you find yourself getting hungry when you get home from school in the afternoon, what you want is Wheaties. Help yourself to a big bowl full of those tasty Wheaties flakes with lots of milk. Boy, that's eating. Yes, sir, it's a cinch. You're going to get lots of extra pleasure out of that orange and blue Wheaties package if you'll remember to have Wheaties every afternoon. Have you tried Wheaties? They're whole wheat with all of the bran. Won't you try Wheaties? For Wheaties this is Franklin McCormick saying goodbye until tomorrow for General Mills, makers of Wheaties, Breakfast of Champions, who have just presented another episode of Jack Armstrong, the all-American boy. Wave the Piper Hudson High, boys. Show them how we stand. Ever shark team be champions. Jack Armstrong! Jack Armstrong! Jack Armstrong! Jack Armstrong, the all-American boy. Wave the Piper Hudson High, boys. Show them how we stand. Ever shark team be champions. Known throughout the land. Wheaties, breakfast of champions. Bring you the thrilling adventures of Jack Armstrong... The All-American Boy. Hey, sound man! What's all the noise about? What's that you're saying? <laughs> oh, I get it. You want me to make up a sound effects story for the fellows and girls. Well, do you want one about Wheaties? <laughs> okay, then. Here we go. Do you hear that alarm clock? It's waking up Slowpoke Sam, the laziest fellow in the neighborhood. 
And Sam doesn't feel much like getting up either. No. Sam would rather stay in bed and sleep. Because if he gets up, he'll have to eat breakfast. You see, our friend Sam knows one thing as sure as shooting. No matter how hard she tries, his mother never seems to fix a breakfast that he likes to eat. Well, Sam is finally getting dressed and he's coming downstairs. He pulls out a chair. And he sits down at the breakfast table. But look, it's not the same old breakfast at all. Here's a new and exciting breakfast dish that makes Sam want to grab a spoon and wade right in. <laughs> you guessed it, it's Wheaties. Big, crunchy, golden brown flakes of real whole wheat. And boy, oh boy, what a grand and glorious flavor those Wheaties deliver. A flavor that makes a smash hit with Sam. Well, sir, you can call Sam a slowpoke now. The minute that alarm clock rings, he's up and racing downstairs to get his Wheaties. Sam likes them fixed in a big bowl with lots of milk or cream and sliced bananas or some other fruit. He calls that dish a real breakfast of champions. And so will you, I know, when you get yourself some Wheaties. I'm telling you, those Wheaties flakes are good. So downright good, you'll probably want second helpings every morning. Now, be sure to ask for the big orange and blue package with the two famous General Mills trademarks, Wheaties and Breakfast of Champions. And now, Jack Armstrong, the all-American boy. Jack and Billy are rowing their hearts out, getting the last of the supplies aboard the two-masted schooner Spindrift. The Spindrift rides her mooring like a gray ghost while the San Francisco fog hides her from the view of hostile eyes on shore. The schooner is all ready to start on her perilous journey to the Sulu Sea in the Philippines to recover a precious cargo of uranium sunk off an uncharted reef. Jack and Billy, as they bend to the oars, know that other persons are trying desperately to get possession of a mysterious ring which Uncle Jim had just received. A ring which may contain the secret of the uranium. Betty... Alone on the schooner in the fog, is having the fright of her life. But Jack doesn't know it. Yet. Listen. Gosh, Billy, but this fog is thick. Well, you could cut it with a knife. I'll pay, Jack. I bet we've rode a hundred miles just taking supplies out to the spindrift. I know we have. Uncle Jim must be taking on enough stuff to take us to the Sulu Sea and back without stopping. Never saw so much hardtack in all my life. And as for canned food, say, is there anything they don't put in cans these days? And rope, Jack. Why, I bet you we have enough rope to stretch from here to the moon. Uh, don't forget the two most important items. Oh, what are they? Professor Loring's scrap of chart and the ring. Well, I agree that we need that chart, Jack, if we're ever going to find his yacht. But doggone if I can figure out why that ring is so important. Well, that gang thinks it's important enough to turn the town inside out to get it from us. Even before we start on the trip. I know, Jack. There must be some secret to it that we haven't discovered yet. Have you thought how terribly important this cruise of ours may be? You mean... I mean if we let that uranium fall into the hands of the wrong kind of people. Yeah, I know, Jack. Maybe with that supply of uranium, they could split the atom and then invent engines that could take airplanes all over the world without stopping. Billy, when I think of this country of ours, with millions of homes stretching from sea to sea, with everybody working and pulling together to have a nation where people can be free and do big, fine things... 
Why, it makes me realize what a terribly important job we've got ahead. Yeah, this is sure one job we've got to make good on. Even if we have to get the better of a dozen games. Mm. The fog's lifting, Billy. There's the spender if right ahead of us. Like a ghost in the fog. But she's a beauty of a ghost, Billy. Say, do you still think that we're going to have room in the main hole to still Uncle Jim's auto gyro? He'll be awfully disappointed if we don't. He's flying it over soon. Oh, of course it hasn't any wings and the windmill rotors come apart. But just the fuselage and motor takes up an awful lot of room. Well, I figured we've left just enough room for it. And you can bet we'll need it. That Sulu Sea is a mighty big piece of dampness. Well, we'll need it, all right. I guess a yacht sunk on an uncharted reef is harder to spot than a needle in a haystack. Yeah, but one of us can go up in the auto gyro and look over a lot of square miles. Watch this tide drift, Billy. It's sweeping us right up on the spin drift. I will, Jack. Hi, Betty. Throw us a line, will you? Oh, Jack, Billy, I'm so glad you got here. Here, here's the line. Oh, I thought you'd never come. Why, what's the matter? Here, Billy, he's fast. Betty's all excited. Something's happened. There you are. Fast she is, Jack. Climb up. We'll store these supplies later. What's happened, Betty? I don't know. I mean, I don't know whether anything actually happened or not, but I thought... I thought I heard footsteps. Footsteps? I know it sounds silly now, but it didn't then. I mean, it didn't to me. But, but Betty, you aren't telling us anything. Well, it was just about an hour ago. I was in that... that little cabin way up in front. You mean the chain locker at the bow? Yeah, the chain locker. I was storing the last supplies you brought aboard... The ones you said should go there. The sea anchor and those coils of rope and that sort of stuff. And suddenly I thought I heard a boat bump against the spindrift. A boat? Just a small boat. I couldn't be sure. I thought it might be you and Jack. But I listened and I didn't hear you, so I went back to work. And then... Yes? Then, suddenly, I thought I heard footsteps on deck. Not natural footsteps. Not the way you sound when you're walking, but quiet footsteps. Just as though someone didn't want to be heard. I bet you were scared. What did you do? I just listened. At first, I thought I was mistaken. I wasn't scared, not then. I thought it might be you and Billy come back or somebody from the dock to see about something. So I went on deck. And there wasn't anybody there. And so I suppose you got really scared then. Yes, I did. Because I just knew that someone had been on the boat. And I thought... I thought he might still be on hiding somewhere. Oh, gosh, Betty, I- I'm afraid the fog and those spooky foghorns have been too much for you. I don't know about that, Billy. Remember, there are two good reasons for someone wanting to sneak aboard. That's right, Jack. I'd almost forgotten. There's the scrap of chart they'd be after and that ring. But, gosh, they must know that we wouldn't leave anything as important as that on board with just Betty. Well, of course, there are a lot of noises that could sound like footsteps to a person below. The waves, the creak of the rigging, the slap of the halyards against the mast. But, Jack, if somebody did come aboard, they wouldn't cut their boat adrift. Not unless they wanted to stow away and go to the Sulu Sea with us. Oh, I know it all sounds silly. I know that no one would come aboard and let his skiff float away. And yet, and yet I know that someone was aboard. Maybe he still is aboard. Strange things are happening to us, Betty, so perhaps you're right. Billy, suppose I take a look below while you and Betty unload the skiff. Oh, Jack, maybe, I, maybe I'd better come with you. <laughs> no, Billy. Spook hunting is a one-man job, and we've got to get that stuff aboard. As soon as the fog's all gone, Uncle Jim will fly in with the auto gyro and we'll shove off. Okay, Jack. And if the spook is too much for you, sound off, and I'll come running with my special brand of spook powder. Hey, come on, Betty. Let's go. All right, Billy. Uh, be careful, Jack. Maybe I'm silly and all that, but if there is anyone on board... Well, be careful. If I really thought there was a chance, I'd go with him. But we gotta get this stuff stowed away, Betty. Uncle Jim's awfully anxious to catch this ebb tide. Oh, Billy, what a lot of books. Yep. 
When we get back to Hudson High, we'll be so far ahead that they're going to have to hold a special commencement for us. But here's one of the morals. Yeah. Don't forget that Uncle Jim is awfully interested in that white sultan of the morals. The one that Professor Loring wrote about. Bet your life we'll find ourselves in his country before we're through. Oh, I hope so. Oh, look, the fog's just about gone. Uncle Jim should be here soon. Guess so. Gee, Willikins, but these boxes are sure heavy. There. Glad that's the last of them. Oh, here comes Jack. Did you find anything, Jack? <laughs> no spooks, Betty. But you'd be surprised how many places there are where a stowaway could hide for a while. And I'll bet you haven't looked in all of them either. I guess I know real footsteps when I hear them. But, Betty, what good would it do anybody to stow away? He couldn't do anything against the four of us. He, he could while we were asleep. And sail the boat across the Pacific himself? He'd be some man. Hey, look, here comes Uncle Jim. Boy, we got those supplies unloaded just in time, Jack. Look, I never can get quite used to that auto gyro. Well, neither can I. With that windmill whirling above it, no <laughs> wings, it looks like a bad dream. But it's a mighty useful machine, just the same, Betty. The propeller drives it forward while the rotors keep it up. And it can practically stand still in one spot to still stay up. But he's dropping. Yeah, but gradually. See, he's coming down right by the ship. He's got pontoons on it. Ship ahoy! Heave a line and I'll come alongside. Okay, Uncle Jim. Stand by. Here you are. Good shot, Jack. Lend a hand, Billy, and we'll pull him in while he pulls up the rotor. Oh, okay. Got your topping lift all rigged? Yep. Fine. Swing out the gas and lift her aboard. Here it is. Point flight, Billy. Yeah, man. Let's the hook get down to that eye bolt in the fuselage. There. All set, Uncle Jim? All set. All away. I'll help. Swell. All together now. Yo. Yo. Ho. Yo. Ho. Yo. Ho. Yo. Ho. Yo. Ho. Yo. Ho. Easy there. Ho. Good. Swing her in. Now, lower easily. Okay. Take it slow now. Yep. Just That's a little it, bit at a time. Okay. Now, boy. Now, wait till I get out. Okay. Hold it, Jack. Now, we'll put her below. All right, I'll swing her over the main hose. Lower her gently. And lash her for a fire you will. Betty. Easy, Jack. Oh, you look so worried. Oh, it's nothing, Uncle Jim. That is, Jack and Billy think it's nothing. But while they were gone, I thought I heard footsteps on the deck. Footsteps? Are you sure? Well, almost sure. But Jack went below and looked all around, and he didn't find anybody. That was odd. Well, we won't let it delay us. Uncle Jim, did you have time to stop at the research library to check up on the ring? Yes, I did, Betty, but they couldn't help me. The ring was as much a mystery to them as it is to us. Well, and there's nothing else to keep us from shoving off. Not a thing, Betty. Shake out the stops and the sails, and when the auto gyro's stowed, we'll hoist canvas and slip our moorings. Batten down that hatch well, Jack. We may find a bit of a duster when we clear the Golden Gate. All faster. Good. Up mainsail, you and Billy. Right. Betty ran up the jib. Yep. We'll hoist the forces later. Slip the mooring, Jack. boy. Now watch her pick up. Oh, well, she's heeling over. She'll heel over more than this when she clears the gate. Oh, I love it. Those sails. Look how the wind fills them. <laughs> the wind's our friend now, Betty. But it may be our worst enemy before this voyage is through. Run down in the cabin like a good girl and get my sweater. You bet, Uncle Jim. This breeze is chilly. Gee, it's good to be under sail again. When do you want me to take my watch at the wheel, Uncle Jim? I'll set the watches after we clear the Golden Gate, Jack. Hey, look at Betty popping up from the cabin. What's up, Betty? Uncle Jim! What's happened? There is someone below. Billy, take the wheel. Jack and I are going to find out what this is all about. Come on, Jack. Well... What is this all about? Is someone really hidden away in Uncle Jim's cabin? If so, 
you can just bet he's not there for a free ride to the Sulu Sea. Do you suppose it has anything to do with that mysterious ring? After all, there's something mighty important about that ring that Jack and Uncle Jim haven't discovered yet. So listen in, all of you, at the same time next Monday to the mystery of this remarkable ring with Jack Armstrong, the All-American Boy. Now, while you're thinking about it, be sure to ask Mother to get you some Wheaties. Boy, those Wheaties flakes will taste mighty good for breakfast tomorrow and Sunday. You're all set to start the weekend in champion style if you'll ask for Wheaties now. Have you tried Wheaties? They're whole wheat with all of them brand. This is Franklin McCormick saying goodbye till Monday for General Mills, makers of Wheaties, Breakfast of Champions, who have just presented another episode of Jack Armstrong, the All-American Boy. Buy Wheaties, the best breakfast food in the land. Wave the Piper Hudson High, boys. Jack Armstrong! Jack Armstrong! Jack Armstrong! Jack Armstrong, the all-American boy. Wave the Piper Hudson high, boys. Show them how we stand. Every shot our team be champions, known throughout the land. Wheaties, breakfast of champions, bring you the thrilling adventures of Jack Armstrong, the all-American boy. Look, will you, will you do yourself a favor right now that is, after listening to tonight's Jack Armstrong adventure, it's just about surefire to let you in on a barrel full of pleasure. How's about it? Okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to ask Mother to be sure and buy a couple of packages of Wheaties right away. Got that? Then, every morning for the next four mornings, and that'll be Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday mornings, remind Mother to serve you a breakfast of champions. After you've eaten this extra-satisfying combination of Wheaties, milk, or cream, and fruit for four mornings in a row, I'd like to have you ask yourself if you've ever found any other breakfast dish that gave you as much real pleasure and satisfaction as this breakfast of champions. And say, I'm willing to go on record that you'll agree with me there just isn't any other breakfast dish on the market that can touch this championship combination for flavor. You see... In a breakfast of champions, you get the combined flavors of three great foods. Whole wheat, milk, and your favorite fruit. When you add the flavor of the fruit you like best to the extra good malty flavor of Wheaties, well, you've got a taste combination that's so doggone good it just can't be described. So if you're a good sport, and if you'd like to enjoy the best tasting breakfast dish I know... Be sure to put in your bid for a breakfast of champions the next four mornings in a row. Ask Mother to get you some Wheaties right away. And now, Jack Armstrong, the all-American boy. Hello, fellows and girls. Here we are, all set to accompany Jack Armstrong, Billy, Betty, and Uncle Jim on a thrilling trip across the Pacific. We're glad you're with us for this exciting series. And right now... Jack and his companions are embarking on a journey of high adventure, and we know that you'll want to listen every day. The schooner Spindrift is sailing out of San Francisco Bay for the Sulu Sea, far on the other side of the Pacific. With Jack, Billy, Betty, and Uncle Jim aboard, she's slipping through the bay toward the Golden Gate, with its mighty suspension bridge stretching above. Ahead of her lies the Pacific, and the search for a sunken yacht with its vital cargo of uranium-235 the element that may hold the secret to unlock the limitless power contained in the atom. 
But things are happening aboard the Spindrift. While Billy has the wheel with Betty beside him, Jack and Uncle Jim are going below to search out a hidden stowaway Betty discovered in the main cabin. Listen. I looked in here before, Uncle Jim, but I didn't see a soul. But at that time, you didn't really expect to find anyone, did you, Jack? Well, no. I thought that Betty was just a little nervous and was imagining things. She wasn't imagining things this time, Jack. You can depend on that. She certainly must have seen something. Be careful now. If anyone's here and tries to take us by surprise... I'll be careful. Look, there's no one here. Doesn't seem that way, does it? But Betty's fright was certainly real. Wait a minute. Look, Uncle Jim, look under that port bunk. Is that an old shoe turn on end? Or is that... We'll soon find out. I'll give it a twist. Oh! Well, what do you know? Does that sound familiar? Why, it's Blackbeard. Blackbeard. I'll twist his foot again and make sure. No! Oh, lay off that slice and let an old car come up there. Rick Royal, but that's a fine way to treat an old friend. Up you come, Blackbeard. Oh, <laughs> rigging and all. Uncle Jim, did you ever see Blackbeard look so foolish? He should look foolish, pulling a landlubber trick like this. Well, Blackbeard... What's your story this time? It's a long and a sad story this time, Jack. Trim the sheets if it ain't. The story of double cross and misplaced faith. We'd better make it short, Blackbeard. We're going to turn you over to the Harbor Patrol before we clear the Golden Gate. Oh, now, Captain Jim, sir, you wouldn't do that to an old shipmate. And I'll help him, Blackbeard. See if I won't. Well, now, cross must stays, but you're almighty suspicious. Uh, both of you. Why, I've got some information that's worth a pirate's treasure to you. That I have. You ought to know something. You're in head over heels with this gang that's trying to cross us up. No, Captain Fairfield, that's where you're wrong. I'll admit I was in with them, but there's a limit, Captain Jim, sir, to what even Blackbeard Flint can swallow. It must be some limit, Blackbeard. Well, come up on deck, where I can spot the first patrol boat, and we'll hear what you have to say. Uh, thank you, Captain Fairfield. And when you listen to an old salt spin a sad yarn... You'll find mercy in the bottom of your heart. Uh, up we go. You go first, Jack. Then Blackbeard. I'll bring up the rear. Okay, Uncle Jim. Hi, Betty. We found your stowaway. Blackbeard. So it was you. Why, Split some Miss Betty, it was you who gave me away. And there's Billy a-holding the wheel like a true son of the salt. Well, I'll be doggone Blackbeard of all people. Hey, at your service, Billy. <sighs> Fine feeling to have a rolling deck under me again. Ah, but watch your sheets there, Billy. You're spilling a little wind from your sails. Ah, trim in. Never mind in. the sailing lessons, Blackbeard. I see a patrol boat on our lee, and you haven't much time. Better make it good, Blackbeard. It'll be a long time before you have a chance to spin us another yarn. Cross my stays, Jack. You shouldn't be so quick at disbelieving. Now, I admit, when you and I crossed back at Hudson, I was in with bad company. They sent me there. On a little matter of a chart or something, uh, maybe to see if you'd gotten a wee package from abroad. Oh, so you know about the ring, too. Go ahead, Billy. We'll let Blackbeard do the talking. I'll be honest with you, Billy. They told me everything, and that's why I'm here, to spill the truth to my old friend. You better get to it, Blackbeard. That patrol boat is closing in. Listen, Jack, my lad, and you'll hear a tale that'll make your blood curdle. You and your Uncle Jim are up against a cruel and desperate collection of half-breeds who'll stop at nothing. Nothing, my lad. Nothing. The skipper of this gang of cutthroats hangs out in Manila, but he's got his men everywhere. Everywhere. Why, he can turn his little finger and they'll do it. be doing handsprings for him in San Francisco or Timbuktu. <laughs> we'll scratch Timbuktu off our list then, Blackbeard. Uh, it won't do you no good, Jack. No matter where you are, 
He'll have his crew a-shadowing you and ready to pounce whenever he gives the word. They didn't have much luck pouncing in San Francisco, Blackbeard. Ah, Billy, you're a little too smart for them there. But they know you better now. And, Billy, my lad, if you'll port your helm a wee bit, we'll sort of edge away from that patrol boat. Uh, well, as I was a-saying, you're up against a crew the likes of which you've never seen. They know a lot, they do. They know that Professor Loring's yacht went down somewhere in the Sulu Sea. And they'd like to know where, wouldn't they, Blackbeard? They'll stop at nothing to find out where the yacht lies, Miss Betty. And they know... Uh, listen now, Captain Fairfield. They know that you've got a wee bit of chart that tells where she's a-lying in Davy Jones' locker. Patrol boat's getting close, Blackbeard. Uh, douse my glimpse if she ain't Captain Fairfield, but, but when I'm through, uh, you'll maybe change your tag. What else do they know, Blackbeard? They know you've got a certain ring... Why, Jack, my lad, they even know you had that ring sent to the small post office before you picked it up. And they want that ring just as bad as they want that little chart. Anything else, Blackbeard? Why, uh, Colonel McComer's Captain Fairfield. Ain't that enough? You haven't told us why you had this sudden change of heart nor why you stowed away. Shriveled my shrouds, uh, so I haven't. Oh, Billy, my lad, it fair breaks my heart to see you mishandle such a trim schooner that way. Now, if you'll trim in that mainsail, just... To... Don't mind him, Billy. He's just stalling for time while he thinks up a good answer. Now, there, Miss Betty. You always had a kind word for me for this. It is a sad blow to an old tar when you turn again, me. Uh, since Blackbeard doesn't want to talk anymore, Jack, you'd better hoist that signal flag to call in the patrol boat. Oh, why, trip my top and lift her. Uh, of course I'll talk, Captain Fairfield. And uh, you was asking... I was asking why you had this sudden change of heart and why you stowed away. You've had enough time to think up a bully answer. Uh, I seem slow in answering, Captain Fairfield. It's cause the matter fair rings my heart. Captain Fairfield, you wouldn't believe it, but I've been double-crossed. <laughs> you? Double-crossed? Double-crossed, Jack. I didn't know that people could have such black hearts. Why, Jack, that gang is lower than a sunken schooner. It must have been a new experience for you, Blackbird. Tell us how they double-crossed you. Uh, Captain Fairfield, I'll be honest with you. Frank and honest. They sent me to Hudson to do him a small favor. And they says to me, they says, Blackbeard, you may be able to do it or you may not. But whether you do it or not, we'll buy your ticket back to Manila. A small favor? Do you call trying to steal that chart from us a small favor? Not steal it, Miss Betty. And how was I to know the little chart meant so much to you? How was I to know you were a starting on this trip to the Sulu Sea? Of course, you couldn't even guess that Uncle Jim would be interested, could you, Blackbeard? You couldn't even guess that he might want to carry on Professor Loring's work. And you couldn't possibly know, could you, Blackbeard, how important this uranium-235 is to our country? Why, bust my balances. Uh, how was I to know such a thing? Go on, Blackbeard. Well, as I was a-saying, Captain Fairfield, this unscrupulous heathen crowd, blast their bilges, they was to give me a ticket back to Manila and uh, maybe pay me a little, just a little for my trouble. But they didn't. You wouldn't believe it, Captain Fairfield, but they didn't. You seem to have gotten from Hudson to San Francisco pretty quick. Why, sure I did, Jack. They paid my way there and, and on an airliner, too. But when I got to Frisco, they said, Blackbeard, before you return to Manila, we've got another small job for you. That job was to sink our ship, I suppose. Well, uh, not exactly that, Jack. Uh, so I says, no. Me do a thing like that to my old friends now that I know they need that chart? No, not Blackbeard. And when you wouldn't try and rob us again, I suppose they fired you. 
Why, Riddle, my rudder, you took the words right out of my mouth, Captain Fairfield. That patrol boat's bearing in, Blackbeard. You'll just about have time to tell us why you stowed away. Why, Jack, my lad, why else should I stow away except to get back to Manila again? Uncle Jim, shall I run the signal flag aloft for the patrol boat? Wait a minute, Jack. Now that Blackbeard's through, I have a few questions to ask you. Well, ask me anything, Captain Fairfield, anything you want. And jump my jib if I don't answer them frank and honest. Who's the head of this gang in Manila? Well, now, uh, that's a wee bit hard to say. Uh, he, he didn't exactly... Not with it, Blackbeard, quick. Well, since you insist, Dr. Shapato. Dr. Shapato? Well, leastwise, that's what they call him. What nationality is he? Well, he's got a bit of everything in him. Who's the chap who broke into the ship? Uh, they call him Lazaro. Well, what on earth did he want, Blackbeard? Blow him a bowsprit, Billy. I don't know. Now, answer this one quickly, Blackbeard. What do you know about the ring? Uh, uh... What's that? The ring. The ring that Dr. Zapato is so keen on getting. What's the secret of it? Captain Fairfield, you've got me there. Honest, you've got me there. I wonder. All right, Blackbird. Make yourself useful and run up that poster. Aye, aye, Captain Fairfield. And thank you. Thank you, sir. I'll hurry up for you in a jiffy. Uncle Jim, you aren't taking him along. Yes, I am, Jack. But you don't believe him. After all, he hasn't told us a thing we didn't know before, except about Dr. Shapato. I know, Jack, but I've a hunch there's a lot more he will tell us if he's not careful. We let him think that we believe him, and we watch him like hawks. Gosh, but we'd better, Uncle Jim. He's after that chart and ring. Of course he is. We'll dump him off at Honolulu. But in the meantime, we've got to discover the secret of the ring. And maybe Blackbeard will throw us on the right track. Say, imagine crossing the Pacific with Blackbeard on board. But maybe Uncle Jim knows what he's doing. He's got to find out the secret of that ring. Anyway, you can bet there's going to be lots of excitement on board before the Spindrift gets to Honolulu. So listen in, all of you, at the same time tomorrow to the mystery of the remarkable ring with Jack Armstrong, the all-American boy. Want to get in on a mighty swell idea? Okay, here it is. Tomorrow afternoon, when you get home from school, hike out into the kitchen and lay hands on that big orange and blue package of Wheaties. Pour a man-sized helping into a bowl, and then get set to enjoy one of the finest flavored afternoon lunches I've ever heard about. It's my bet you'll make a beeline for that pantry shelf every afternoon once you've discovered just how good those whole wheat flakes taste when school's out. And say, if the supply of Wheaties is a little low... Better remind Mother to get a package or two from the grocers right away. Have you tried Wheaties? They're whole wheat with all of the brand. Won't you try Wheaties? This is Franklin McCormick saying goodbye until tomorrow for General Mills, makers of Wheaties, breakfast of champions, who have just presented another episode of Jack Armstrong, the all-American boy. Wave the flag for Hudson High, boys. Show them how we stand. Ever shall our team be champions. Jack Armstrong, the All-American Boy, centered around the thrilling adventures of Jack Armstrong, hero of Hudson High. While the early focus of the show was the prodigious athletic prowess of Jack, constantly saving the day for Hudson, it soon turned to Jack's globe-trotting feats of daring do, accompanied by his cousins Billy and Betty Fairfield, and eventually by his uncle, Jim Fairfield. Jack was equally at home, defeating foes on the Amazon or on the African plains. 
Jack and Uncle Jim were portrayed as manly heroes, while Billy and Betty, while the same age as Jack, were played as innocent and hapless. Although the trio was ostensibly high school students, they rarely, if ever, attended classes or cracked a book, much to the dismay of the mothers of the juvenile audience. The storylines generally ran over many episodes and were frequently resolved with the quick and then they all got hit by a truck variety of denouement. The last year of the series was retitled Armstrong of the SBI. When Jack, Billy, and Betty finally graduated after 17 years of high school, possibly prolonged by their poor study habits, and were recruited by the Scientific Bureau of Investigation. The move of the heroes into adulthood was not taken well by their fans, and the show ended a year later. Sponsored by Wheaties, the show endlessly promoted Armstrong-related premiums to entice audiences to buy the serial. The series was considered to be one of the most popular juvenile adventure series on the radio and ran from July 1933 to June 1951. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week.